So this is going to pop just for a second, so I apologize for that. But we're celebrating Jesus. Jesus is alive. Amen. But, um, but also today, we remember not just the most significant day in history. We actually recognize the most significant day in our history as well. Um, I, I was thinking about, like, you know, it seems like this happened so long ago. You know, if you, when we watch reenactments, there's a lot of, you know, Roman soldiers, you know, clothing that isn't um, necessarily unique to our days, though. You never know. Things can make a comeback. You know, who knows if people will be wearing it again. But, um, but at the same time, it's the most relevant event in our personal life. It's the most relevant thing that could ever happen to us. And even though it seemed like that happened so long ago, it's a part of our history, too. It's, about, it's a part of our story, even though we live in this day and time. And so today we're going to actually take a journey, um, and we're going to look at the lives of different people, but we, re- we recognize that Jesus not only died, but he rose. And in that, we also rose. When he died, we died. When he rose, we rose. And so this is a part of our story as well. Um, there's a, there was a story about this little boy, and it's one of my favorites, and um, he was driving with his dad, and they come along a cemetery. And so there obviously was, um, it was freshly dug and getting ready for a burial the next day. But for the little boy, he looked over and he looks at his dad thinking, oh my gosh. And he, he says to his dad, he says, dad, look, one got out. You know, in his mind, instead of one going in, he thought one got out. And so, <laughs> so in his amazement, the dad had to reassure the son there wasn't a zombie, there wasn't somebody, something walking around. But even in an age and a time where people are really connected to, it's odd, odd to me how like there's this whole zombie apocalypse, you know, this, this, this drive to have people who are dead alive. And I thought, you know what, but we are the living dead. I mean, we really are. We were those who were dead in our trespasses and now we're alive in Christ. And so now we're, we get to celebrate what God has done for us. Because really there is one who has risen. There's one who got out of the grave. And because of him we have hope. We have a destiny. We have a future. Life is different for all of us, whether we know it or not, because of Jesus. Yes. And so, um, so today we're going to look at different people that encountered the cross on his way to the cross but, but I was reminded that we are so uniquely designed. I look at this four-month-year-old baby, and, I mean, he is so uniquely designed, precious in every way. There's not going to be another baby like him. There's not going to be another grown-up when he becomes a grown-up like him. You know, like each one of us, no matter what age you are, you, you, you are uniquely designed. As much as the world tries to put us all in one box, tries to make us all look alike, sound alike, when I hear my mom's voice, I recognize her voice. There's not somebody else's voice that reminds me of my mother's. You know, or if it has something somewhat similar, I know it's not her. There's something unique to her voice, to, to who she is, that when she calls me, whether she, she doesn't have to say her name, I know who she is. And just like all of, just like her and with all of us, you are uniquely designed. There's nobody that looks like you, sounds like you, has the same hair color, maybe unless you're like me and you dye it. Um, so, so, but nonetheless, there is literally no one like you. And I think that 
we live in such an age that tries to make us feel like we're not unique. Or if you are unique, you have to be like a, well, for a younger generation, a YouTube star. Or you have to be famous for something to be known. But to know that you're just known for who you are in the eyes of God is something very unique. And so that's why we're going to look at these stories. We're going to go from the moment that Jesus is in the garden and to the place of his resurrection and see every single, well, we're not going to hit every person. I shouldn't say that. We're going to hit who Jesus talked to or who Jesus encountered from the moment of the garden unto the place where he rose again. Because Jesus is alive, and I believe that you are unique, and I am unique, because maybe you were designed to have a unique and special relationship with God. Maybe that's why you are who you are, and you were made the way that you were made. Because I think even in Christianity, a lot of people try to make it look, well, this is what my relationship with Jesus is like. And there are definitely guidelines. There's definitely only one way to come to the Father, only one way. But you are uniquely designed, just like he made Adam, to have a special relationship And I believe that as we look at the cross and who Jesus encountered, each single person he was talking to in a different way. He never talked to the same person in the same way. Could it be because he wanted to reach their heart and go, son, daughter, I made you uniquely just for me? And so that's why we're going to look at it this way today. And so um, I am going to warn you ahead of time, some of the clips today are going to be from the Passion. I want to make sure I mute it. Um, And so it might be a little graphic. But... What he did was graphic, and so I can't, I can't hide that away. But if we were going to have children, of course, I was going to make it a little different. I'd have to go buy it. But, um, but the first group were the disciples. Now, these, these men are going to be a continual part of the story. But what's interesting to me is that life began in a garden, right? In the Garden of Eden. But here we find Jesus now in a garden, Jesus has now returned to the spot where man transgressed against him. He is now on his knees going, God, man sinned, Adam sinned, but I'm here to do what Adam couldn't do. So he's in this place that he returns to the garden, and look who he brings with him. He brings his friends to the place that he's going to restore them. Because though they believed that wasn't just enough, There had to be still a sacrifice to be made. And so Jesus is coming into the place of the garden. He he comes to his friend because Adam was his friend. He made him in his image. It was his own son. And he comes and he goes to that place and he goes, I come to the same place. I made it, Adam. I made it, daughter. And he goes to pray because he had to redeem what was lost. Because unfortunately, when Adam sinned, unfortunately now we all sinned. He was the first seed. So everything born after him was going to sin. It was going to be separated. And it began the journey of God redeeming us into himself. And so what began in a garden ends in a garden as well. I think that's very interesting, that the symbolism of the garden. That's why we have to start in the garden here. We have to start in the garden because that is where God is going to redeem us. This is where he goes, I know this is going to be difficult, but Father, for the joy set before me, I'm going to endure this. But where I always thought, I asked the Lord one time, what was the joy set before you? And the Lord spoke to me and said it was you. And it's just like me, you. You were the joy set before him. This is why it has to be in the garden that we come.
Jesus says to them in Luke, For I, the Messiah, must suffer much and be rejected by the Jewish leaders, the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and be killed. And three days later, I will come back to life again. But then he said, But if anyone wants to come after me, he must put aside his own desires and conveniences and carry his cross with him every day and keep close to me. Whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. But whoever insists on keeping his life will lose it. It's amazing how we hold on to life not knowing that it's actually killing us in the end. Because the only way to life is actually by the way of the cross. And so there we have Jesus and his disciples. And they're going to be a continual part of this story. But, and they're a central part of this story. But of course, they're the first people that we're going to see in this. His death was a greater invitation to them. And it's a greater invitation to us as well. Because it's a place of deep connection. Like I said, it began in the garden and it will be completed in the garden. The next are the Roman soldiers. Um, and of course, we see them in this, in this scenario. They come to capture Jesus. And though the, the Romans were rulers, in all actuality, they were foreigners on, Jer- on, on Jerusalem soil. This wasn't their native land. They were actually, in a sense, foreigners in a native land. And to me, they represent the Gentiles, the non-believers, the outsiders, the outcasts. Though they seemed they were in control, actually they were not in control at all. They were foreigners in a foreign land. Now, their belief system was pluralistic. They didn't believe in one God. They had many gods. And to them, their gods were hard to please. They weren't a God that actually enjoyed them. They were a God they had to work for. They had to strive for. And if their God was a little pleased with them, then maybe they would send a sign or maybe they would do something on their behalf. But their God was not someone who came to serve, but you had to serve him to completion. But here they stand before one who is saying to them, I am the God, not just of the Jews, but of the Gentiles. I'm the one who came for the foreigner, for the outcast, for the world. I am the one who, though you come against me, and even in this moment where Peter strikes this man, do you notice that he takes time to restore the Gentile in this moment? That he doesn't just look by it and think about his own quest that he's about to go on the cross, but he actually takes a minute to see this man and to even rebuke Peter and go, this isn't the way. This is not the way because I'm laying down my life, not just for you, Peter, but for this man. And in this moment, he restores his ear. Maybe so that man that can actually get hear hear the gospel himself. In that moment, his ears are open that something is different about this man. Why would Jesus do a miracle in this midst? Maybe it's so that he can show that he's here to reconcile all humanity to himself. Not just the Jews. Jesus includes that these men would be the one who execute him by beating, flogging, and crucifixion. But yet, this is the exclamation of God that he gives to Nicodemus that we see here portrayed as he talks to these Roman soldiers. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So how do we know that this is his goal? Because even in the moment of death, as the earth shook, it would be a Roman soldier who would look up with eyes almost open and exclaiming, surely he was the son of God. 
Surely this became the time of the Gentiles. This became that Jesus not only came for the Jews who believed in him, but he came for all who wouldn't. All who wouldn't know that he was the one who created them. That he was their sustainer. That he is the son of God. The next group is the Sanhedrin. These are Jewish leaders. I'm going to put it in today's terms, okay? So these are people who went to church. Church folk. This is, this is people who grew up in church. They knew what it was like to be in church. They knew if they went to church, it was about rules. You had to obey God. And in fact, these people were so bent on obeying God that they took the Ten Commandments that God gave and they added 150 of their own just to make sure they were doing it right, right? And it became too heavy of a burden. I mean, they couldn't even keep their own rules. But yet they prided themselves of being people who kept the rules. I'm going to call these good people as well. People who go, you know, I don't know if I need Jesus. I mean, I'm a good person. Don't all good people go to heaven? Well, let me tell you, this is what good people did. That when they stood before the God who created them, they despised him. So if it takes good people, these good people who did good things, who kept the law, when they stood before Jesus, he offended them. In fact, they would be the ones who tried to kill him. They would have hatred and murder in their heart enough to that they continually pursued Jesus to the place where he would be dead. Could you imagine growing up in church and Jesus standing before you and you hating him? The one who created you, the one that you were waiting for and despising him. But that's what happened. We see Jesus standing before the Sanhedrin, accusing him, mocking him. But yet he stands there not saying a word. If, any, if anybody had a moment to hate the people that he came for, it would be Jesus in this moment. These men who were beating him, who were trying to kill him. But yet he loved him. If anybody had a moment to pour out his wrath, to be like, you know, I always think of like superhero movies, like all of a sudden it's like you thought, like Clark Kent moment, you know? You thought it was Clark Kent, Superman, you know? Like this moment to go, I'm God, and like, you know? Like, you know, and just be like, ah! It would be Jesus. But yet it says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. That even in the midst of these people who would, who would hate him, who he came for, the church folk, the folk who grew up in church, They despised him. They hated him. And in fact, they thought they always knew him, but they never did. Because when he came, every single thing that he said about who he was offended them. In fact, when he said, well, you need to repent, this is the good person mentality. Well, I've kept all the commandments. And they didn't understand that it wasn't just their actions, but God was after their heart. God was after the cleaning of their heart, not the cleaning of their actions. That's why you don't have to come to Jesus being a good person. In fact, he doesn't want it because none of us are good. Even Jesus said only the Father is good. And so even as we come, we come as we are because that's all we got. And that's all he wants. And so when he stands before the church, man, he's standing before his own people. But yeah, he's showing them even then. He's going, I love you. Because in each one of these stories that we're looking at, it's saying, I love you. I love you. 
I'm doing this for you because we look at and we go, they crucified him, they crucified him. Jesus crucified himself. Even if this never happened, he would have put the nails in his own hands. He would have become the sacrifice as he wanted to. And the fact that he grew up to be 33 when he died is a fact that he wants relationship with us. Because honestly, just like that little baby, Jesus was that size. And he could have been the sacrifice at that size and his blood still would have been enough. But isn't it amazing that he grew up because he wanted to do life with humanity to show them how personal he was to them, that he could go through everything they went through and be, be that intimate with them? There's no other God that does that. No other God that does that. The next group is Pilate, or the next person, I should say, is Pilate. Here we have a governmental leader, a ruler, a tyrant. He would be a representative of Caesar. It's interesting to me because Caesar was considered God in the flesh. Isn't that amazing? God in the flesh. But yet we actually here have God in the flesh with a representative of a man who's supposed to represent a man of the God of the flesh. And he, and he believes that he holds Jesus' fate in his hands. But Jesus doesn't waste a moment. He makes clear to Pilate that no matter what he decides, he's going to lay down his own life. That even Pilate can't decide this. That truly the Son of Man, the King of the Jews, is, is truly going to be the one who does this. And it's funny because in this moment, we see Pilate confused because he sees that this man is innocent. He's trying to understand the scenario of what this man must have done to cause so much rage in the human heart. I hate to say it, but the crowds represent our hearts if we really are honest when we don't know Jesus. We rage. We don't like him. We don't, we don't think he's, he's worth it. But in this moment, he takes a moment to encounter him. He takes a moment to, to see that, that there is something unique about the one who is before him. And so he encounters Pilate to show him the truth on the flesh. For Pilate to behold Jesus' innocence, the perfect lamb, in whom there is no blemish, to see that this is what God in the flesh does for those whom he loves, this is what he does for Pilate. So even in this moment, he's after Pilate. Even in this moment, he is after Pilate to show him, you're not going to understand that I'm innocent. But the fact that you know that I'm innocent will com- completely prove to you who I am. Who I am, that when what I came to do. The next one is Barabbas. The good old thief and murderer, Barabbas. Barabbas is probably my favorite. And that, this might sound weird. That Barabbas is my favorite part of the story. But you want to know why my Barabbas is my favorite part? Because if we're all honest, he's me and you. He's me and he's us. I'm sure the day they cried Barabbas, he thought, listen, the people love me. I mean, think about Barabbas. I'm like, Barabbas, Barabbas. And he's probably thinking, man, listen, this is my people out here. They know I'm a thief. They know I'm a murderer. But look, they cry out for me. Like, he's thinking, I am the most famous man in all of Jerusalem right now. Listen, they said, give this innocent, I don't even know who this guy is, but listen, the people love me. They know that I have been, I mean, he was like a serial killer. It'd be like someone going, give us up, you know, and crying with such, with such angst to, to have him. So I'm sure what went in Barabbas' mind is, man, the people love me. Look at who I am. They know I'm guilty. But man, I'm going free. 
because of the people. No, it's Jesus stepped in. The reason that Barabbas went free is because God set him free. Because he picked the worst of the worst, literally. And he, and he signified it as me and you. And he says, I'll take your punishment, Barabbas. I'll do what only I can do. I'm going to give myself for you, Barabbas. I know you're guilty. But son, you go free. Son, you go free. In this, in this moment, this is the, the significance to us. This is when the great exchange, really, we see it with our own eyes. We see the greatest exchange happen in this very moment where Jesus decides to step into the place of humanity and the place that we deserved and said, I'll take your punishment. You go free. I'll take your punishment. You go free. It is truly the greatest exchange that is happening before us. The exchange to change places with all of humanity where the guilty go free. Who chose Barabbas? Like I said, God did. It's like God said to all of us that I will do this for you, that you deserve this, but this is what love looks like. This is what grace looks like and mercy. The last person we're going to look at is Simon. The Syrian. It's it's really funny because this um, there's only one sentence that says about Simon in the whole in all of Scripture, and it, it only says this: as they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. That's all we know. Like we just know that this dude had no choice, right? So that he was, that Jesus was carrying his cross and in the place of his, in a weak moment for Jesus, that he was carrying the cross. And he comes alongside and he has to, to help Jesus. What's interesting, that's all we know in that moment. We don't hear anything else about Simon. We don't hear anything else about his story. But I did some research and it fi- to find out that the Syrians um, would be missionaries. And not only were they missionaries, they would be some of the greatest people to carry the cause for Christ. So no matter what happened in this moment, it, Jesus wants to encounter Simon. He would be, he's, they consider him to be a Jew. He would be a Jewish convert. But he basically carries this cross, and something happens in the moment where he's carrying it with Jesus. Here in the story, we see that there's a connection that happens. But... That includes us too. I believe that this is a signifying to us that you cannot just be an observer of the cross. Not one of us can watch Jesus go by with the cross and just observe it. He is asking to us, what will you do with the cross? What will we do with the cross? Because like Sean's going to illustrate, the cross that you all signed and all of us, the cross in our lives is too heavy to bear. The one that we deserved was too heavy to bear. And this is he's showing you can't do it on your own. That even in this, the yoke was easy for Simon because Jesus was actually taking the yoke of the cross. He only came alongside him to help him carry it. But truly the weight that was under Simon's sin, under all of our sins, is too heavy to carry. We can't carry the weight of our sin. 
We were never made to. We were never made to carry the weight of the cross. What we did, Jesus did take our punishment. He truly took our place. Like I said, what will you do with the cross? Because that's, that's what the question is for all of us, is what will you do with the cross? The cross that you deserve, the cross that we all deserve, but that Jesus took. Because it, it, this is our story. This is all of our stories. This is all of our stories is the cross. And his resurrection is our story. Jesus died for us. Just like Simon, I believe he wanted one last moment to, to talk to somebody, to witness, to be a witness and a sign that the cross was for me, to take for you. That this is what you deserve, Simon. Can you feel the weight of the cross? But Simon, I'm taking it for you. I'm taking it for you in this moment. Give me a second. I have to move my mom's, be- isn't aren't those beautiful paintings? Didn't yes, she do a good job? Yes, yes, yes. But I, I love that we all wrote our names on the cross, including me, because at 15, I had to come by the way of the cross. Like, I was a Sanhedrin. I grew up in church, believed in, thought I believed in Jesus, thought I knew him. I didn't at all, to be honest with you. Um, I, I believed in my head, but if you ask me if I had a personal relationship with Jesus, I'd be like, maybe I didn't um, at all. And it was, it was a moment where I heard a sermon about knowing Jesus here and knowing Jesus here. And I remember it was a moment that radically changed my life. Um, I'm going to take this off. Obviously, there's something going on over here. Um, and I, my grandpa, of course, is my greatest hero of the faith. Um, I didn't understand my grandpa most of my life. And I understood when I became 15 why I did it, because... He knew somebody I didn't. Now this is, the, I'm just showing you the latest fashion for Easter. Um, <laughs> you can get it at Lowe's. It's really awesome. Six dollars. Um, but I, I remember I went to a, a conference. I didn't know why I got there. And, and I've talked about it. We don't, I don't even know who paid for the conference. But I remember sitting there after mocking the whole service. I mocked it. There's all these people talking about Jesus and I love Jesus, yes I do, and these people go, I love Jesus, how about you? It was so corny to me, and I just remember I sat there and I was like, this is the lamest thing. My, my goal was to be in the WNBA, I wanted to be a cool kid, I was one of the cool kids-ish, you know, obviously the WNBA did not work out for me, by the way, <laughs> you're wondering, it didn't work. So, um, so I remember I sat there in the service, and there was a, there was a the sermon was about um, knowing Jesus with your mind. Or knowing Jesus, like having a personal relationship. And I don't know why, but for the first time, I felt like I heard the message of the gospel. And it was, and I, I remember sitting there and I went, Jesus died for me. I didn't think, I didn't even think I was a sinner. But I realized Jesus died for me. And so this is, you guys did a great job doing this. But why I had you guys all write your names on it. Because we were all at the cross. When Jesus died, he died for all of us. You individually, every sin, everything that you could do, all humanity was at the cross that day. When Jesus died, you died. This is how personal it is. That's why you can't just walk by us and do nothing. Someone died for you. Someone rose for you. 
thing that you can just walk by and be like, oh, that's cool. I don't believe in it. Listen, it's real. His blood is real. If history shows he came and history shows that he rose, then this has to be a real event that happened just for you. And so this paint is going to signify blood that was poured out for you. His blood that was poured out for you. Every drop. Every drop was poured out for you. He didn't keep it. He didn't hold on to it. He didn't say, well, you know, I'm going to die for Tiffany, but I don't know about that Kathy Jones, you know. I might, save a, I might save a drop, you know, just in case, you know. No, it was for all of us. So Kathy was at the cross. Candy was at the cross. All of us were at the cross. All of us were at the cross that day. And just like this, even though you guys did a great job, it just was covered. Every single one of us, our sins were completely covered by his blood. Your name, Kathy did the best on this last away. Blood. Blood where you should be. This is where you should have been. But his blood was there. His blood was not. And so sometimes people are trying, honestly, to do everything they can to escape the cross. If we're honest, people call it good deeds. You're escaping the cross. Some people call it, you know, um, going a different route on my own person. It's escaping the cross. Because guess what? We still have to carry the cross. Because even though he rose, we all have to enter into the grave. Because we have to die and he comes out. We become new creations. Because what he did is restore what we were supposed to have in the garden. Before Adam sinned, before Adam transgressed, the relationship you were supposed to have was personal. Like I said, you are uniquely designed. There's nobody like you. That's why Jesus died uniquely for you. Like I said, this precious baby I think about, and I think that Jesus could have done it as soon as he came out. He could have just said, woof, and that's it. And no one would have really known the story. He could have done it at 12 years old. He could have done it at 15 years old. But why would he do it at 33 years old? It's because just like, I'm going to use you, Matthew, real quick. Say that for a second. He's so much taller than me. I, it kills me. <laughs> but, but I hope you don't mind. Even if you're shorter. <laughs> he wanted to rub flesh with me. God wanted to rub flesh with you. So that not only would he die for you, and not only would he rise with you, he goes, Matthew, it's not just good enough that we're like this. we got to be one. And so he puts himself in you. He puts himself in your heart. He says, heaven could be my home, but I would rather have the home on her heart. Because you can't do it without him. I can't do it without him. He can't. We can't. We have to be wholehearted. There's no way but wholeheartedness. I hate to tell you that even if Matthew, who's sat in these pews all his life, but if he hasn't said yes to Jesus, then he's just like any of us. He's like me when I was 15. Thought I knew him, but I didn't. I didn't know him at all. Thank you. You did a good job. And so we always give an invitation because this is the greatest day. This is your day. This is a day that if you've never said yes, really yes to him, you can. You know, it goes, everybody goes, man, it's the same old message all the time. But it's good news. This is the best news because Jesus took our punishment. Upon him, he took our chastisement so that you could go free. 
so that we could be whole, so that the burden of our sin could be washed away by his blood. And so therefore, we look at even at that cross, and you see your name, and you know he did it for you. So today I ask, what will you do with the cross? What will you do? Because we all have an invitation to come to it, just like all these people did, because God so loved you that he gave himself. Amen. And so I'm just going to have a minute. We're going to close our eyes because this is personal. This is why we close our eyes, not because we could do this open eye, but I want you to close your eyes because it has to be personal. Okay? So if you don't want to close your eyes, and listen, if you don't want to, you don't have to, but I would, I would prefer that you do because this is a moment that only you can decide. I first encountered Jesus when I was 10 years old. I didn't know him, but he encountered me, and, and, and from that, in fact, I didn't choose him for a long time. But he, he, can, he will continually chase you down. But I can tell you, there is a moment that, like this that only you get once, maybe twice in your life. You'll find him chasing you down, but this, these invitations, this is a moment that he designs just for you to encounter him, to know him, to receive him, to, to really understand him. And so today, I, I give two invitations. The first invitation, maybe you've never, ever received Jesus your heart. Maybe you've never done anything about the cross. Maybe you were like me. Maybe you, even all of your life you've mocked it. You thought this is stupid. This is foolish. Or maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you just didn't want him at all, like the Roman soldiers. But today you go, you know what? I come to the cross and I'm going to do something about the cross today. I'm going to say, Jesus, I'm going to make you my Lord and Savior. That you are the one who died for me. That you rose for me. And I'm going to do something about it, and I'm going to give my life to you. And so today, if that's you, and this is honestly, it isn't for me, because this is, let me tell you, I ran to the front when I received Jesus at 15 years old. And there's many times I rededicated my life, and I ran again. And this is a moment for boldness. And I know that it might be like, man, but let me tell you, when you take a first bold step to receive him, let me tell you, you will live in that. You won't doubt that you made the decision. You won't doubt that something transpired today. That you will know that you went from death to life. And so today, if you've never received Jesus, I don't care about who's sitting next to you. This is your moment. This is about you and the cross. If you want to receive Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. Because this is a moment that you say, I receive you. I'm going to do something about the cross today. I say yes to you, Jesus. I say yes to the cross today. I see that you did what you did for me, and I say yes. And I'm going to have us all pray this prayer out loud together. You're going to repeat after me, because I believe there's strength as we all do this together. We're going to say, Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner, and I believe that you died for me. I ask that you come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And be my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your fire. Help me to carry the cross all the way. Until I see you face to face. Amen. The second invitation, you can still keep your eyes closed. And for anybody who just did that, while I'm doing the second one, I want you to have, this is what I call your first prayer. Talk to him and just thank him. Go, thank you, Jesus. 
you know, this is, this is your own time to talk to him, maybe for the first time and go, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. You know, I, I remember I did that, and I, it, was, it was amazing because I, I realized not only did I feel clean for the first time, but I also knew that something had transpired, and now I had a relationship with him. So you're talking to him because you now really do have a relationship with him. Something did change. So this is, the next invitation I have is, is for anybody. This is the one that says, you know what, Jesus, I just want to sign up again. And not just sign up again. This is, this is twofold. Not just sign up again, but I just want to continue to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And so for those who are in this room and saying, you know what, I want to respond today. I've already given my life to Jesus, but I just want to say, Jesus, I want to say that not only am I thankful, but I'm going to run this race to the end. I want you to raise your hand. If you're going, Jesus, and I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for these people today, God. I ask that you would give them strength to endure to the end. That those who have said it, Father, that we know that the way isn't always straight. But sometimes it has, it has mountains, and sometimes it has valleys, sometimes it has springs. But God, we say through every season of the soul, we want to say yes to you every time. Yes. That we want to choose you every time. That we want to grow more and more in love with you every single time. That you are the Lord of our hearts. And so we say, give us endurance to the end. Give us endurance to the end. We thank you that you will complete the work that you began in us. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness for your kindness. And we say yes to you, Jesus. We said yes to you once, and we say yes to you again, and that we will follow him. Follow him all the way. Where you lead us, God, we will follow. Yes. Whether it's in the darkest of moments, whether it's in the darkest of seasons, we will follow you all the way. Knowing that we're not alone. That you're the God who who provides, and you're the good shepherd of our souls. Yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, today's been a good day, hey? Yes. Glory. Yes. Thank you for hanging in there with me. We are going to sing our last hymn. Yes, 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 Pastor Candy. This has been a great day. Yes. Hallelujah to the land. Pastor Tiffany did a great job.
they had to, you know, do some slaughter a lamb um, or sheep, and, and they put blood on the door. So at that time, the death angel passed over their house. If it hadn't been so, their child would have been taken So they're celebrating their time where God saved them from, you know, from 400 years or so of slavery and was going to take them to the promised land. And as they left that night, 200 to three, two million, three million people left. But take you somewhere else. So as they're celebrating this, which they take every single holiday, very important, as we should. Remembering what Christ has done for us. And so as the head priest is doing his thing and slaughtering the lamb at three o'clock, he said. The lamb of God is dying. Yes. One lamb, the lamb. And what's better, you see, there's no curtain here, you see. Amen. So only Tiffany or I or Lisa we would take turns or whatever, we would be the one who could go past the curtain. And the curtain was so large that it took 300 men to hang it. It's a heavy curtain. I've had some curtains in my life, but I practically stood on the stool with one leg and did all this. Had some but when Jesus said his last words, it was finished, and it was finished for him. God, God himself took his feet and ripped that curtain in That's my finger, God. Sometimes I thought in my pride of life when I needed Jesus severely for many reasons. God is helping me. But anyway, how might I thought if he could he could all he has to do is just put a little finger, he could put his little pinky towards my direction. And although so his 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 divine healings, not his whole. I say, Lord. Just look where I am in your direction and just touch me with your little finger. That's how great he is. He took his finger and he ripped it in half. Nobody went to the Holy of Holies. You can imagine that priest must have thought, what will we do next? But see, you know what that meant? That meant all of us now. Can so when we come to church, you know, we all have been up on the platform and do different things, but I never want to forget how great what God did so many things for us that day. Amen. By his stripes and Calvary, I can be healed. Amen. Amen. Amen.